Well, we're continuing, or wrapping up um, my series of four sermons. And uh, as you've noticed, the theme that has connected all of them is the theme of evangelism and our call to take part in the Great Commission. But this morning, I want to look at Colossians chapter 4. So if you have a copy of God's Word, with you, you can turn to Colossians chapter 4. <clears throat> and the text for this morning for the sermon is chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. But I'm going to read for us uh, beginning at verse 2 to give us some context, which I'll refer to in the message. Before I begin, we need the Lord's blessing. We need the power of the Spirit working through the preacher and in the hearts of all of the hearers. So join with me to pray and ask for God's blessing. Lord, we thank you for gathering us here as your people those purchased by the blood of Jesus and those being built up as a glorious habitation for you your Holy Spirit Lord what an inestimable privilege and we can only uh, begin to glimpse the, the glories of such a great salvation and Lord, so we ask that this morning that you would speak to us through your word, that you would open up to us the glories of our inheritance. Lord, we pray, and I ask that through this message, you would also stir us as your people and equip us to be your instruments of bringing your kingdom into this world of taking people out of the domain of darkness and bringing them into the kingdom of your beloved Son, our Lord Jesus. And so we ask in his name that you would be at work in us by your word this morning. And we ask in his name. Amen. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 4, beginning at verse 2. Hear now God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves, conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. This is the word of the Lord. So let me ask you as we begin, how do you spend time with unbelievers? 
Each person in this room has unbelievers in your life. Outsiders, those who are outside the church, outside of Christ, outside of the kingdom. You've got uh, unbelievers at work. Perhaps you have unbelievers at home. You've got unbelievers among your relatives, your neighbors. You live maybe in a, on a, in a development or in a, in a complex with neighbors who are outside the church, outside and don't know the grace of Christ. And so how do you spend your time with them? Well, here, the Lord exhorts us through the mouth of the Apostle Paul to redeem the time with outsiders. And that's really the, the simple point this morning from the Word of God. Redeem the time with unbelievers by speaking wise words. Redeem your time with unbelievers by speaking wise words. And as we walk through this passage, we're going to see first a call to redeem the time. Secondly, we're going to see we are to use words. And thirdly, we're going to see an exhortation and encouragement to be wisdom-filled. So redeem the time by using words, being wisdom-filled. So, redeem the time. You are surrounded by opportunities to be an instrument of the Lord in bringing people into the knowledge of Jesus. Are, are you purposeful in your time? You know, you, on the, on the, way, uh, on the way to church this morning, um, you stop for gas. You rub shoulders with, with an outsider. If you, as you're walking to your car, if your neighbor was out now getting ready to mow the lawn, you're rubbing shoulders with outsiders. Uh, you are surrounded by opportunities to be an instrument of bringing lost souls into, into the kingdom. And sometimes uh, we think, well, if God wants to save Unbelievers, well, he's appointed missionaries. That's why we have a pastor to meet with unbelievers. That's why we hire evangelists. They can speak right, to unbelievers. And, but this exhortation, this is why Paul speaks to the Colossians. And he says, You conduct yourselves wisely towards outsiders, or walk in wisdom towards outsiders. You notice that he began in verse 2, exhorting the church, continue steadfastly in prayer, and as you're praying, um, pray for us. Because Paul is pouring himself out for the gospel. And that was his full-time call. And he's saying, pray for us. Pray that God would open up doors for us to speak the gospel um, to, uh, to, to the lost, to testify to Christ, even as I'm in chains here. Pray for us. But he goes on to remind them, you know, you might be tempted to think, well, um, you know, we, we're supporting Paul in prayer. He's doing the missionary work, so uh, we don't need to share. Right? We're we're off the hook. That's what we that's what we that's what we hired Paul to do. Um, he's the professional. But Paul here says, as you're praying for us, remember that you also have a role. You also conduct yourselves in wisdom towards 
outsiders. Notice that word, towards. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. In other words, the people in your life that don't know Christ are not people to be avoided. That's a bad sinner. If you only knew his political views, right? You, they're not people to be avoided. And they're not even people to be tolerated and to just to be uh, to, to bear. But Paul says, I, in your mind, right, your mindset should be purposeful and moving towards unbelievers. How you act, how you walk, how you speak to them should have be aimed at a purpose. And that is claiming them right, for Christ. Bringing them, pulling them out of darkness into, into his kingdom of, of marvelous light. Now, that begins, where does that, that, that direction begin? It begins with an awareness. That, that gas attendant pumping your gas, or that person who sits in the cubicle next to you at work, or uh, the neighbor right, to your right, the, the person that lives in the house to your right, is a human being made in the image of God, who is either lost in darkness, bound for hell or being formed into the image glorious image of Christ by the grace of God and the work of Jesus so it begins with an awareness it also begins with prayer but the context of this is prayer continuing steadfastly in prayer as you pray steadfastly, you, you begin to you sharpen your mind on the, the things that are eternal. And your perspective begins um, to clear. And you begin to, to see people right, as saved and lost. Um, Paul here teaches us to pray for opportunities, right? What is he? To pray for us that God would open up a door. Well, as you, you and I are called to walk in wisdom, as you are called to walk in wisdom towards outsiders, pray also for opportunities. You know, that is, that's one prayer request that God has uh, almost never failed to answer immediately. Lord, open up a door for the gospel for me. Give me an opportunity to testify to you, to speak about you. And so I want to encourage you this week, as you're on your way to work, or you're on your way to visit some, maybe some friends or relatives, pray, Lord, open a door for the gospel and watch God just open the door wide open. So you and I are to be purposeful. You are to be purposeful in your relationships with the outsiders that God has providentially put in your life. Here, it says, walk in wisdom towards them with a purpose. Jesus says, I, I died. I gave my life on the cross. I took sin and was crucified and rose again to purchase a people for myself so that the kingdoms of this world might be, become the kingdom of the Son of God so that people in darkness might be brought into light, so that sinners might be 
redeemed. And Jesus says, go, make disciples of all the nations. And so here Paul says, redeem the time with those outsiders that God's put in your life. But how are you to bring, how are you to walk in wisdom towards these outsiders? How do you become an instrument for God's work in their lives? Well, this brings us to our second point. By using words. By using your words. Do you realize that you have an incredibly potent weapon in your words? Through your words, you have the potential to be an instrument of bringing someone who's enslaved to sin, alienated from the life of God, headed for hell, into relationship with Christ and into his kingdom through your words. So think about your words with outsiders. What are they aimed at? How do you use uh, your words? Are your words empty? Or uh, are they aimed at promoting yourself or being seen as funny? Um, are, they, uh, are they aimed at uh, tearing down? Are they words that complain? Or are they words right, that, that carry grace with them? Here, Paul says, use words and let those words be gracious. Now look at verse 6. Let your speech always be gracious. Now what are gracious words? Well, gracious words are words that carry grace. And what does grace do? Grace changes people for the better. The words can either tear down or words can build up. The words can change people. Gracious words are the words that are aimed at the good of another. And ultimately, what is that good? That good is for um, people to become more like Christ. But here Paul's speaking specifically about the outsiders. So gracious words are words that are aimed at bringing them out of sin and into the light and the knowledge of Jesus. <clears throat> um, words, gracious words are words that um, impart grace. Now, who is it that changes people? Who is it that opens the eyes of the blind to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus? It's the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit uses words. We heard this morning in our Old Testament reading that uh, Proverbs 16, gracious words right, are uh, like um, the honeycomb that bring health right, to the soul. Words that impart grace restore people. They're vehicles for the work of God's Spirit. Do you see your words as vehicles for the work of the Holy Spirit? 
So words, use words, and let those words be gracious. But then that begs the question, what kind of words does the Holy Spirit use? What kind of words will bring that grace and that transformation, bring people out of darkness to light? Words of wisdom. And that brings us to our third point. Be wisdom filled. Look at it again at verse 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Now he began this saying, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Let your speech be gracious, always be gracious, seasoned with salt. So what, uh, what are salty words? And what is salt? Well, the rabbis uh, used to use salt as an image for wisdom. And that's because salt did two things. First of all, um, it, it flavored food. Um, salt makes food uh, delightful as you uh, consume it. And so uh, words that are wise, uh, they, they, they carry a certain uh, delight. They're, they're received um, they can be received with gladness. Um, they they stick. There's there's flavor to it. Uh, there's a there's a sharpness. Salty words stick, and they're memorable. Right? Perhaps you had a um, you've had a, a great meal at a, at a favorite restaurant of yours, um, and maybe you know it's been a couple of years since you had that had that dish. But you can still taste uh, that um, that salmon, or you can still taste uh, grandma's apple pie. There's something about right, seasoning um, that causes something to stick, and so wise words stick. But salt was also used as an image for wisdom because salt acts as a preservative. And in an ancient culture without refrigerators, meat went bad very quickly as you had poisonous bacteria right, that uh, could, um, could infest or infect uh, meat and make it rancid. So salt, by killing bacteria, helped to be a preservative. And wise words act as a preservative, right? killing bacteria a sin and as a Christian you know this when you you hear God's word right pierce your heart and bring conviction or you you, you receive God's word or you hear God's word and it helps you to see what you were missing in your life or it strengthens you against the world the flesh and the devil and so uh, Wise words act as a uh, as an agent of killing the poisonous sin as a preservative. So, um, at the Boardwalk Chapel, there's a pizza shop. If, if you've ever been to the Boardwalk Chapel, you might know uh, Angelo's Pizza. Um, they sold it last year, but it was there for uh, decades and decades. And um, the the last owner of Angelo's, a guy by the name of, of John, uh, took over uh, as owner from his uncle back in 2000. And uh, one or two of you may know Len Chenu, who was a, an old 
uh, an, an elder at the Belmont Church and uh, an OPC minister in the Presbytery. And uh, I was speaking to John, the owner, um, back about seven or eight years ago. And he, he came to faith. He grew up in a non-Roman Catholic uh, family in Philadelphia, wasn't a believer, and uh, came to saving faith, I would say, about 2016. But I remember talking with him in about 2015, 2016, and he said, you know, I remember, Lenny, um, the, my, I still remember the first day that I took over from my uncle, I opened the door at the beginning of the summer. They opened the door of the store, and there was this old, older gentleman. It was lunch. He came up to me, put his arm around me, and said, your uh, uncle was a friend of mine, and so you are a friend of mine. And he began to talk to me. And then John said, and he asked me in our conversation, he said, John, the scripture says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. John, do you fear the Lord? And 15 years later, he still remembered those words. And that word was working on him all that time. And the Lord brought him to, to saving faith in 2016. Okay. Those are gracious words seasoned with salt, carrying um, the wisdom of God's word. So now how, how do your words become words of wisdom? How do your words become gracious and salty? Well, first, you must have salt in yourselves. This is what Jesus tells his disciples in, in Mark chapter 9. Have salt in yourselves. Which means, right, having salty words begins with having the heart of Jesus. And that's, why, right, that's why you and I need Jesus. Jesus in us. But it's not only having the heart of Jesus, because uh, Jesus is out of the out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if you don't have uh, a fountain of wisdom within yourself, you have a fountain of poison. By nature, we all have right, in ourselves a fountain of poison. Then you can't produce wise words. But Jesus in you is the fountain of wisdom. But Jesus not only gives you his heart and salvation, but Jesus gives you his spirit. And so to be filled uh, with wise words, you need to be filled with Christ. And that's what Paul says here earlier in Colossians. Right? He says, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You see that in his life as he ministers right, throughout his life, preaching. Okay, we're told that Luke tells us that as he was preaching in the synagogue, at the beginning of his ministry, that people marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And he always knew right, exactly what the hearer needed to hear. Right? Whether it was the Pharisees needing right, a sharp word uh, of rebuke, or whether it was uh, right, a guilty woman uh, in Samaria at the well right, who needed uh, a gentleness in the offer of, of life, or whether it was a religious leader who needed to understand that unless a man is born, is born again, he can't enter the kingdom of heaven, that religious ritual cannot 
bring you into God's kingdom. Jesus always knew exactly what to speak because he is filled with wisdom. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. But here's the amazing thing. Paul goes on to say in Colossians 2, in Jesus are filled all the treasures of wisdom and you, church, have been filled in him. You have been filled in him, in him. So to be wisdom filled means to be filled with Jesus Christ. And so having gracious words, knowing how to speak to people begins with not only the heart of Jesus, right? salvation, but communion. It continues and it grows through communion with Jesus. Reading his word, praying through his word. And that's why being in the word is so, so important. Fathers, are you filling your family with the word of Christ? Um, in Colossians, in the third chapter, Paul gives the exhortation, let the word of Christ dwell among you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, your conversation with one another becomes a means of filling yourselves with that wisdom so that as you, as you speak to the outsiders, now there's a store of, of wisdom. The more you're filled with the word, the more you're filled with Christ, the more you're filled with wisdom. And as you meditate on God's word, as you pray through it, as you speak about it with one another, as you share the gospel with one another in your counseling with one another, as you're reminding one another of, of what Christ has done, then you'll be prepared. You'll be more prepared to speak as God providentially puts people in your lives and puts situations there. And this is why he concludes, Paul concludes, and so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. In teaching evangelism, um, as I ask people, you know, what is it that uh, makes evangelism scary? Or, you know, what is it that uh, keeps you from speaking about Christ to the unbelievers in your life? Uh, one of the most common answers and one of the most common reasons is, I just don't know what to say. Or I'm afraid if someone says something, I won't know how to respond. It's the fear of not knowing how to speak. But what Paul says here is, as you pray, you commune with Christ in prayer, sharpening your mind, Christ fills you through that communion. As you fill yourself with the word, as you teach and encourage one another with the things that you're seeing in the word, the ways that God um, is, is speaking as in speaking into your life through his word, you share that with one another, you begin to, to become more filled with wisdom because you, you become more filled with Christ. And you become ready to know and to answer the person as the conversations come up, as the door opens 
you know how to seize the opportunity and point someone to Christ. So when you walk in wisdom, you know how to answer each person. So let me conclude by encouraging you again. People of God, you are the instrument. You are Christ's instrument for bringing people out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We've been given a mission. Make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to serve whatever Jesus has commanded. And the Lord has providentially placed people in your life. So I want you to picture the people that you're going to be encountering this week at work, at your home, as you're out at the store, in the stores that you visit regularly. Maybe there's a cashier that you see on a regular basis. Maybe it's a neighbor who's always walking their dog when you're um, coming in from work. Maybe it's, it's an unbeliever who's, who sits next to you at the company. Picture, picture those people. And like the word of God says, redeem that time. Jesus says, you are my instrument. Redeem that time by using your words. Be wisdom-filled so that you'll know how to answer them. How can you be wisdom filled? Be filled with Christ. And this is what we were speaking about last week, right? Communion, being filled with Christ, begins with communion with Christ. Through the means of grace, word, prayer, sacraments, fellowship. Don't leave right, evangelism to the professionals only. I will remind you that the Lord gives you pastors and evangelists according to Ephesians 4.11. He gave the evangelists and pastors teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Not to do the work of ministry. Yes, your pastor does the work of ministry. Yes, the evangelists do the work of ministry. But Christ gave them to lead the church, to equip you for the work of ministry. And here's the work redeeming the time of unbelievers, that those who are outside Christ might come into his kingdom. And this world might be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. That Medford Emmanuel would be bursting at the seams with people from the surrounding towns, loving, knowing, reflecting Jesus, and giving him praise. So, Brothers and sisters, redeem the time. Begin this week. How? Using words. Words that are gracious with a purpose. Seasoned with wisdom. How can you be filled with wisdom? By being filled with Christ. Amen. Lord, Jesus, we thank you for the great privilege that you've given to us to be your instruments to a lost and dying world. Lord, you came in the world to save sinners. And I ask, oh God, that you would fill us with wisdom, that we might know how to speak, how to answer the people 
that you have placed providentially in our lives to be a witness to. Lord, I pray that you would be with the leaders of your church and that you would help us in equipping the saints. And I pray that you would be with each person here that this week, oh Lord, they would become instruments of the Holy Spirit through their words. So Lord, teach us how to speak. Teach us how to testify. We ask these things that your name might be magnified. And it's in Jesus that we ask. Amen. Amen.